Come on, let's clap our hands unto the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. You may, you may be seated. So good to be uh, in liberty and uh, to, to uh, be at well, the Dornbox Church, to be invited. What a privilege. A pastor, first lady, first family. You know what that means? First, first to sacrifice, first to show up, last to leave, first to give, and uh, you have a great pastor and first lady, um, and uh, amen, amen. It's okay, to, it's okay to love your pastor. Can't go to heaven without your pastor, and we need it. Uh, Rachel and I, um, I'll just be brief, Rachel and I uh, took a church uh, that uh, Brother Sistrunk started in Clinton. And he was there, we went there, we helped him start a church in Ann Arbor, and then we had some things happening, so we moved some of those people over to Clinton, and so I was a campus pastor in Clinton, and Brian Jones, the campus pastor in Ann Arbor, and he kind of went between the two, preaching, and uh, I was there, and uh, then he felt a call to be a Metro missionary, career church planner, and so I stepped in that role and became pastor about a little over 19 years ago. And we grew, we got into a building, it was an old dealership, and uh, last Sunday, I think we had 179 in service, we raised, uh, amen, God was good, and uh, we raised over $100,000 in one service at uh, the 11th of Christ, uh, December for missions, over $107,000, which totally blew me away, and I leaned over to my wife and said, now's the time to leave, we're on the, we're on the move, now's the time <laughs> to leave, but uh, we, you know, um, I was, in 2019, I was, uh, we go to Gatlinburg every year because it's free. My mother-in-law pays for everything, so we make sure we put that on our calendar in August. And so I was packing up the bins. We have a hiking bin and a camping bin and all this. So I was putting things in these bins. And uh, we had just adopted from the Philippines. I have a 27-year-old and then a 24-year-old, and now I have a 12-year-old, so we re-enlisted. And uh, Rachel was down with them walking through downtown Gatlinburg, and I was putting things in the bin. And I felt like the Lord came into my mind, and almost there was no debate. There was no, like, hedging my bets. He said, he goes, your ministry is in transition. And I was like, I just gave up a church. Uh, we were pastoring three churches, and we allowed uh, pastors that uh, we raised up. They took those, and I was going to go back to Clinton and try to, to grow that church, and uh, he said, your ministry's in transition, and it was just an, it was, there was no, I, all I can say, there's no room for any other thoughts, it was just overtook my mind, and so I sat down, and in the chair, I said, well, what does that mean, and I felt like the Lord said, you thought that you would send people, but I'm sending you, that was 2019, and then COVID, <laughs> COVID hit, and and I felt like, well, I said, Lord, we adopted a child from the Philippines. And he kept telling me, nothing will hinder what I've called you to do. And so we just kind of went on this journey, and we became a new district, Detroit Metro District. I uh, became the NAM director, and uh, a, a, a man that had been, that I raised up, came back uh, to our church. He was serving uh, somewhere else. He came back, and uh, 
the Lord said he's your next pastor. And so we just begin this, this transition to do this. And so I'm going to be a career church planner. And that means I go into cities. Detroit, Detroit Metro is only 2% of the land mass in Michigan. And, uh, but we're 49% of the population of Michigan. We're on top of one another, kind of like here. And you drive into one city, you can't tell when you're driving into one and leaving the other. And so we have uh, 16 cities with a population of 50,000 or more with no United Pentecostal Church in them. Some of them have no apostolic witness in them. And so Rachel and I uh, feel like God has called us to do that. We were approved at this last general conference to become um, Metro Missionaries Career Church Planners. I'm 53. I'm not 32 or 20. I was 31 when I started pastoring. And I can tell my energy is not quite what it was. But I should know a trick or two from pastoring. But we, we are excited about what God is doing and um, one of the things that uh, we have to understand is that we have to decide, all of us have to decide this. Whatever God's called you to do, whatever he has asked you to do, we have to decide, are you going to obey the voice of God? It's that simple. Are you going to obey the voice of God? I want to leave you uh, with this uh, scripture here t uh, tonight. I just want to read it and maybe just draw a couple thoughts from this, and it says, it's in Mark chapter 8, uh, verse 31, and it says, this is Jesus, uh, Peter had just confessed that he, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and he said, and he began, to, after this, he blesses him, and after this, he said, he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders, and of the high priests and scribes, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he, and he spake, uh, spake that saying openly, openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things of God, but the things of man. And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, uh, and after him. And he said, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life. Now this is why the Bible says that we pick up the cross. It says it right here. Why do we deny ourselves? Why do we pick up our cross? Why do we follow him? For whosoever, this is why we do it, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. So the reason we deny ourselves and the reason that we pick up our cross, and a cross is not, you can't say, well, my mother-in-law's my cross to bear. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about, she may feel the same way about you. But what it's talking about is giving yourself to God. And whatever God has asked you to do is denying oneself. And in that, he says, if, if the reason you do that is because uh, whoever will save his life will lose it. That's why you do it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the gospels, the same shall save it. So why do, you, why do you deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him? Because if I try to save it, I'll lose it. But if I lose it, I will save it. Yeah. Then it says, this is the other reason we do it in 36. For what shall it profit a man? This is why we 
deny ourselves. This is why we pick up our cross and follow him. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's why we deny ourselves. That's why we pick up our cross and follow him. And he says, for, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's why we deny ourselves. That's why we pick up our cross and we follow him. For whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, also the Son of Man shall be ashamed. And when he cometh in glory of his Father with, the, with his holy angels. It's, it's, it's kind of surprising to me that we have a moment here where Peter, up to that point, gives the greatest, it's a watershed moment when he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, flesh and, he blesses him, flesh and blood has not given this to you, has not revealed, but my father which is in heaven. He blessed him, blessed him on that revelation. But here we have just moments later. Then he pulls him aside and let me tell you what it means for me to be the Christ. Let me tell you what it means for me to be the Messiah. He says, one translation, he must suffer. He must be rejected. He must be killed and rise again on the third day. This blew the back of their heads off. They did not understand that. That's not what they gave their, their lives for. Many times the rabbis, they, they, they totally missed Psalms 22. They totally missed uh, Isaiah 53. They talked about him being a shepherd, a king. But none of the rabbis ever talked about a suffering servant. And so here Jesus is telling them, this is what it means. This, so even though sometimes we can have a revelation, God can come in and let us know, this is how we're going to do it. And I believe with all the struggling and all the, the trials that's happening in this church, we say, God, why can't you help us? God has a way of developing us and strengthening us through our trials because it allows us to exercise our faith. Now's not the time to give up. Now's the time to say, God, I didn't see it this way, but Obviously, you're doing it this way. People are coming in, so I'm going to go ahead and walk by faith. Let's clap our hands under the Lord today. Lord, I'm willing to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. And so Peter pulls him aside, and this rebuke is no mild rebuke. This is the same rebuke that the Lord used to rebuke the devils. This is not mild. This is a hostile rebuke. Rebuke. This is the, the student rebuking the master, the teacher. Not just any teacher, but the incarnate word of God. And really what, what he is saying, and we know never to say never, right? He said, this will never happen. Never. That's what Peter is telling him. He said, I must suffer. I must be rejected. I must die. And I, and I will rise again. And Peter said, this will never happen. Never. You remember in the Bible when, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? And the Bible says this unique thing. It says, and he left him for a season. So here is, this can be us. We can have the pinnacle of revelation God can do in the next moment. We're telling God, no, never. This will never happen. I will not go through this. I will not do this. 
But never say never. And so he said, no, Lord, this will not happen. And so what does he say? He recognizes this temptation. Something for nothing. He's, what do he say? Bow down. I'll give you the kingdoms. Worship me. Cast yourself down. He, he gives them all this. And, and he recognizes what Peter's doing. That can happen to us. God can speak to us and move on us. And then God, it's okay if God touches somebody else's life. But when he touches our life, lost your job or a sickness or whatever it might be. We automatically think, what's going on? But you know, this happened to Paul. Paul, the Bible says, prayed three times that whatever was going on in his life would pass from him. I don't believe these were like, God help me, day later, God help me. I believe these were agonizing seasons of prayer that Paul was praying. You know what God told him? No. He said, my grace is sufficient. Then all of a sudden, there was a revelation that hit Paul, and he said this, I rather, look at the, here's the, here's the maturity here, I rather glory in my affliction that the power of God may rest upon me. What you're seeing is through all the trials and all the things that's happening to this church and all that, that the power, obviously church, the power of God is resting upon this local assembly. Paul said, I'd rather glory now in my affirmative. Hey, pastor, I'd rather glory and go through these hardships if it causes us to have a move of God like we just had and have people that come in church and we're baptizing. I'd rather do whatever God wants to do in my life and take up my cross and deny myself and follow him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Grace is not the God's ability or favor for you so he covers his eyes and doesn't see what you're doing. That is not grace. Grace is an enabling force of the power of God to enable you to come up out of your sin and up out of your struggle. He gives you grace. Now, some people uh, kind of confuse grace and mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. I thank God for his enabling power of his grace that helps me serve him. And when we go through things, what we are doing is we're exercising our faith. Have you ever grabbed the weight and it was hard but over the weeks that it became less and less strenuous. That's what happens. God brings us things that we, causes us, forces us to exercise our faith. Paul said, I glory now in my affirmities that the power of God may rest upon me. He told Peter, said, Peter, get behind me. You savor the things of man, not of God. This is, this is the great divide between the godly and the ungodly. The godly, if you want to be a good saint, you care about the things of God. You savor, you, you love, you are concerned about the things of God. Peter did not, it was all about the praises of man. It was all about what he wanted to do in the kingdom that he thought they were going to get, get one over on the Roman government. That's what he thought. And so he said, Peter, that's not how things are done in the spirit. That's not how the kingdom is going to work. 
He said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Pick up your cross. When God speaks to you, you have to make it. I will obey. Rachel and I have always tried our best. If God spoke it, let's obey it. If you want to be a true disciple, this is the cost of discipleship. This is what I'm talking about. It's denying yourself. It's picking up your cross. It's picking up the word of God in your life. It's picking up the corporate word of God for this church and denying oneself. Maybe you put off buying a car for a few years. Maybe you put off a remodel for a few because I want there to be a church. All that is denying oneself. Here's how God does it. The widow's might. Everyone giving out of their poverty, giving out of their substance. And when you do it and I do it and we, we begin to give God, God gets the glory. But church, you're going to have to decide, are we going to obey God? I don't want to savor the things of man. I want to be a concern. Do you want to be a good saint? A good saint is concerned about church. You know, the Bible says the church is a pillar of the ground of truth. When God was looking for a place to place truth, he didn't put it in the UN. He didn't put it in K-12 through or the universities. He took truth, and he placed it, truth, in the church, the pillar, the ground of truth, where truth hits the ground, hits the earth. It's done through the church. All of God's dreams, all of God's ambitions, everything God wants to do will be done through a church, a local church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You feel like all hell is breaking in on you? Get in the church. Serve the church. Come to church. You can tell the value. I'll say this, then I'll sit down. You can tell the value of something by what, what somebody's willing to pay for it. He spoke the earth into existence. Let there be light. And there was light. All these things he spoke, but it was the church that he could not speak into existence. He could not make. He had to purchase. He didn't spill his blood. He shed his blood. You want to know God is not, let me just tell you this. God is not coming back for an individual. He's coming back for a body, a church. If I was to take my finger and cut it off and put it over here and it's not connected to the body. Guess what happens? It begins to wither and die. But when my, my, my extremities are connected to my body, guess what happens? The blood nourishes me and helps me. That's why you have to be part of a church. This is what God is. Do you want to know what God's doing? He's doing it. That's what he's doing through his church. Let's all stand today. Amen. What a great church. Great music, by the way. God's going to do some great things here. I believe that. I see it. I want us to lift our hands today. I want you to just begin to say, Lord, I want to savor the things of God. God, I want to be concerned. Is anybody willing to seek first the kingdom of God? and his righteousness and let everything else be what it is.
We're doing what God asked us to do. But guess what? If you do what God's asking you to do, we'll receive the same reward. Lord, I'm willing to obey. Anybody willing to obey God? Is anybody willing to follow the leading of the church, how God is leading the church? I wonder if anybody can just step from where you are and come up here for just a few moments and say, Lord, I want to pick up my cross. Lord, I want to deny myself. I want to deny myself, God. God, show me where I need to deny myself. I want to pick up the the cross is simply the word of God. The cross is those things that maybe God speaks to you that you have a hard time obeying or submitting to. That's the cross hallelujah I want God I want God to work through me I want to be a disciple of the Lord hallelujah it's not by mind it's not by power but it's by his spirit let the spirit of God talk to you right now come on don't be afraid of what God is doing here hallelujah God is moving God is touching lives today put your hands on me understand everything that God's doing, but God is moving, God is working, God is doing some things in this church. Come on, disciples. Hallelujah. Come on, disciples. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, don't be preoccupied with this world. What's your heart beat for? Does it beat for the things of God? Hallelujah. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? And what is your concern? Where is your Begin to pray in the spirit. Begin to pray in the spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't you lay your hand on somebody's shoulder? Begin to pray for them. Hallelujah. Lord, help them to love the things of God. Help them to savor the things. Come 
gonna make a commitment to obey God. When God speaks, I'm gonna obey Him. When God speaks, I'm gonna obey Him. 